Welcome to Mindfully Well, your place to get the tools and tips you need to connect to a deeper sense of wellness, naturally and simply. This podcast is for change-seeking women who are curiously devoted to their health and ultimately having a positive impact on the world around them. I'll be diving into everything that can help us live mindfully well, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Haley. Welcome to episode six of the Mindfully Well podcast. I am really excited about today's episode because I'm going to be discussing period empowerment. Yes, that means menstruation. So if you have young ones around who you're not quite ready to introduce them to, I advise putting some headphones in or saving this podcast for later. Or if you want to listen to it first and then let your young ones listen, that's great. Um, this podcast is for everyone. I won't be going into the nitty gritty of menstruation. This is about period empowerment, our ideas and beliefs about our periods, and what we can do to help smash the taboo, for lack of better words. Um, yeah, it's something that's on the up and up, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So why period empowerment? Well, As a menstruating human, we will spend about 30 plus years menstruating, which in my opinion is one of the longest relationships we're likely to have. And it seems that these relationships that we have with our periods aren't positive. More likely than not, they are negative. And this makes me wonder, why are we at war with ourselves? Why do we hate our periods? Why do we feel embarrassed to talk about this natural process? It honestly doesn't make sense to me. And I just got into period empowerment within the past year. So this is all new-ish to me. I haven't always been comfortable with my period either. But I think it's time that we do get comfortable with this conversation. It's time to move past the shame and embarrassment of our periods. And that's what this episode is going to help us do. So we're going to talk about periods, we're going to think about periods, and hopefully by the end of this episode, you will feel inspired to explore your period from a positive and empowering lens. As I'm sure you know, there are four phases to your cycle. Most likely a month-long time frame from period to period. So you're not just having a period, there are other things happening within your body over the course of a month. But today we are solely talking about the menstruating phase and our beliefs and the world's beliefs around it. So we won't be diving into specific health problems, diseases, or any sort of issue today, like biological issue. We're just lifting the veil on the idea of talking about our periods, becoming more educated, learning how and where to research and maybe join some activism around period power empowerment and supporting others. So the goal is to talk about the period movement louder and our periods more honestly and what that can do for all of us. I read a recent post that said, or post, it was a quote from a study that was done on a channel that I'll talk about a lot here, but I'll bring that up in a second. The survey basically gathered all of the names that people use for their periods. 
And the results were that there are over 5,000 sayings for period across the globe, meaning people would rather use a code name or slang instead of saying my period or I'm menstruating, which is funny because I, I totally get that. Like, I remember being younger and not wanting to say I'm on my period. Like, that was so embarrassing. Um, some of the names that people use for their period, which I thought was funny, I haven't heard a few of them, are Red Canoe, The Blob, which, what the hell? <laughs> Seriously? Um, Eve, that time of the month, which I think is very common. Um, some people call it It, Shark Week, Moon Cycle, Ant Flow, and The Rag. So there are a lot of different ways to talk about our periods, yet a lot of people aren't talking about their periods openly. So in order to talk about periods more openly, I've decided to record this podcast now on Saturday, October 19th, which is officially National Period Day. National Period Day has come into existence by many different organizations, but I believe it's mainly by Period, the menstrual movement, which is an organization that is fighting to end period poverty and period stigma through service, education, and advocacy. I discovered Period about a year ago, and I've been a monthly donor since because I am all on board with what they're doing. Um, Here's a little overview of what Period is. Period was founded in 2014 by two 16-year-old high school students with a passion for periods. To date, Period has addressed over 700,000 periods through product distribution and registered over 400 campus chapters in all 50 U.S. states in over 30 countries. Like, how cool is that, you guys? These two young people created this entire movement to help with period poverty and period stigma. Like, I wasn't thinking about that when I was 16. I, I love this organization. So... They have brought upon the world National Period Day, and that's today, October 19th. Um, Basically what that is, is rallies all over the 50 states in honor of the world's first National Period Day. So the goal is to alleviate the issue of period poverty and demanding real change to making period products more accessible for all and ending the tampon tax. So from their website... Period says, it's 2019, and yet 35 U.S. states still have a sales tax on period products, considering them non-essential items. One in four women struggle to afford period products due to a lack of income. In the first citywide study on period poverty, which I'll share more of that later, it was found that 46% of low-income women had to choose between a meal and period products. You guys, that's half. <laughs> that is such an unreal number to me. It makes me, it makes me want to cry, honestly. Um, they go on to say, Because of the period stigma that makes menstruation a taboo topic, we don't often think about what it's like for a homeless or low-income menstruator to get their period and don't have open conversations about period health or solutions to period poverty. So that is their whole mission, and... I'm extremely passionate about it too. I love supporting period, the organization, and I'll share all the links 
to their website and all of their social platforms. So if you would like to contribute as well, you can. But that's one of the organizations and resources that got me really, really passionate about periods. So like I said, they started around 2014 and the period power and period awareness movement was kind of starting around then. So 2014, 2015, and that's like what? five or six years ago, like this is still really new. So we're very much in the infancy of period power and it's really exciting because of the influence of social media and the way that we can disseminate messages on our own. Like we're not being filtered as much as media used to. And we can talk about this stuff and we can connect with other menstruators about what it's like, you know, talk about our periods and educate the people in our lives who don't menstruate. So like boyfriends and best friends and husbands and everything in between, we're in a really cool place where we can connect with others in order to feel less shame, less embarrassment, and settle into our natural cycle, which is essential to life, by the way. I know you all know this, but all life grows in a uterus, which a period is required for that. So we all come from the fruitful natures of periods. So without further ado, I'll get into all of the good stuff. We've already covered some good stuff, but I've got a lot more. I remember having the talk in fourth grade at school. I believe they gave us like a little pamphlet, like a two-sided brochure about what was happening to our bodies or what was going to be happening to our bodies. And all the boys were taken to another room and it was just us girls. I was a late bloomer for one. I guess I was a late bloomer. I was later than most. Um, And this pamphlet basically just discussed a brief overview of periods, like pubic hair and breast development. I don't recall anything profound or like super informative happening in this session. So that was in fourth grade for me. And then I didn't start my period until eighth grade. So that's four years later. So I had a huge gap of not even thinking about or really caring about this stuff. And then all of a sudden my period came. And I, I think I kept that little brochure and I tried to reference it later and it wasn't really helpful and I didn't really know what was going on. And I didn't have the internet to search and look and Google for what was happening, right? Like the resources that you can tap into now did not exist back then. So it's really funny to think about reading that little brochure and then like reading the tampon instructions in the box of my sister's tampons because my sister is four years older than me. Like trying to figure it all out all the while, like not bleeding all over myself, right? And not talking about it because we didn't talk about this stuff. So I basically, you know, did the regular thing, pads and tampons and tried to figure it all out and feel like an adult by using tampons or whatever. But I'll never forget always feeling super paranoid about leaking. And I'm sure most people can relate to this, but like 
when you're on your period, you constantly feel like you have to like check yourself so that like you're not bleeding everywhere. And it's really frustrating and embarrassing. And you're always kind of on edge. At least that's how I feel. So, well, not anymore, but that's how I felt. So anyway, by the time I was 17 or 18, I can't quite remember the exact time, frame. I think it was 18, I started birth control. And I thought this was really cool. It made my periods lighter. Everything was great. I didn't really have a lot of symptoms. And then, oh gosh, I don't have the time frames exactly right, but I remember my sister was in nursing school and she was learning about like blood clots and stuff and how much we didn't know about birth control whenever, 10 years ago, which we still don't know. We know more about birth control now, but she was talking about like blood clots and stuff. And she was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go off the pill. Like, I don't want to mess up my body or whatever she said. And in that moment I was like, yep, me too. I'm off the pill. I don't, I want natural cycles. So it was around 21 or 22. I stopped taking the pill. So in my case, I was only on birth control for like four years, which is pretty short. I think for some people, I know a lot of my friends who have been on birth control forever, <laughs> not forever, but as long as they can remember. And there are definitely impacts to that, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But once I came off birth control, I finally started experiencing myself and my emotions more fully. And I realized that I wasn't like crazy or this weird emotional crier. I think it was just the synthetic hormones doing that to me. So it took me like three long, stressful months of getting my actual cycle in place, like getting it in the right flow. So I remember those first three months after stopping birth control, my periods were like heavy and painful and really intense. Because for the first time in four years, my body was like getting back into its groove. So, and I, I think I read somewhere, don't use this as a direct quote because I can't quite remember the exact thing and I didn't cite it here in my notes, but I remember reading somewhere that on average, it takes 10 years to fully come into your regular cycle. So if you start your period at 15, it's not going to be until like 25 that you're like, fully in the groove of things and everything starts kind of like settling into a nice flow, right? So like your regular periods are pretty normal in the beginning and then they level out. Level, I don't know what other word to use. They get a little more consistent. So that was the case for me. I've been lucky, I guess. I'm really healthy and have cared about my health from a natural perspective for a long time. So for me, this was easier than most. I haven't had any like major menstrual issues or problems that I've had to face. So I know that exists for a lot of people and I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of the health aspect, but regardless of how your period has and will be, there are resources out there that can help you get more in touch and appreciative to your cycle. So this leads me into my own experience with getting more in touch with my period. So since eighth grade until last August, August 2018, I was a regular menstruator who went through a lot of tampons and I was constantly frustrated with like the first 24 hours of my period was really, really heavy 
but not heavy enough to seem like a health problem. So I just figured, oh, I have a heavy period at the beginning of my cycle. Well, last year I got really interested in why and how and what can I do to tweak this and basically make this more enjoyable and not so painful and miserable, which I don't, I don't recall what exactly triggered me. I think it was an accumulation of different women's health books I was reading and different things I was seeing in the media about menstrual cups and organic tampons and all the different things that have been coming out over the past few years. I finally sat down and said, okay, it's time for me to take control and be in positive relationship with my cycle. So last August, I started a health tracking journal which is mainly my period journal. So every month I write down exactly what's happening each day, how long the period is, and how I'm feeling so that I can track over time if everything is consistent and feels right or if I'm feeling something different and need to see a doctor or whatever. So I started my health tracking journal and then I also started using a menstrual cup. So this is kind of a weird topic for a lot of people and seems kind of gross if you haven't thought about it or tried to experiment with menstrual cups. But from my experience, my menstrual cup is the best decision I ever made. Like, I'm obsessed with my menstrual cup and I will scream it from the mountaintops. So um, I can actually get into menstrual cups more in a little bit. But that's what I started doing. So I started using a menstrual cup, started tracking my health, and then I was reading this book called the Period Repair Manual by, let's see, I have it right here, um, by Laura Bryden, who is a naturopathic doctor. So this book is Natural Treatment for Better Hormones and Better Periods. Whenever I was getting into my menstrual cup and my journal tracking, I was also looking for a resource in order to lessen my cramps, see if I could lessen that heavy first day, or if like I had, if I needed to go see a doctor or something, right? So I knew that there were natural approaches, I just didn't know what they were. So I was doing a lot of research there. And this book, I will link to in the show, show notes, is an amazing book. It is like my number one recommended resource for women regarding their hormones and periods. So within this book, and doing a lot of research, I came to the conclusion that I was going to start taking a turmeric supplement every single day. And that was going to help reduce my flow a little bit, so lessen the blood that I was seeing. And, not to be spoiler alert, but it worked. So the only thing that changed in my entire life was taking a turmeric supplement, and my periods got better. And from using the menstrual cup, I became more in tune with my actual flow, how much blood I was discharging, losing, whatever, and I started to really connect with my actual menstrual cycle and my entire cycle. So those are the few things that really helped me. The other reason I switched to menstrual cups is because I was learning that there are a lot of chemicals in traditional conventional menstrual products, which infuriates me. Like, I can't get in. I, like, it makes me so freaking mad that this even exist. So I want to share with you a quote from a podcast that I was listening to with my favorite doctor in the world, Dr. Christian Northrup. And she was interviewing 
a woman named Anne Bogue, and I think that's how you say her name. But Anne wrote this book called Nine Ways We're Screwing Up Our Daughters and What We Can Do to Fix It, or whatever, talking about the main issues that are happening with people raising girls. And one of those ways that girls aren't becoming more informed is through their menstrual cycle and menstrual products. So a quote from her book says, Diet and culture are causing girls to start puberty as early as 8 years old. 14, 15, 16, and 17 are traditionally the age range in which puberty starts. So if someone offered you a plate of chlorine, pesticides, and dioxides for lunch, you'd likely refuse to ingest them. And yet, that's exactly what women do over 12,000 times in their lifetime by using conventional tampons in one of the most absorbing parts of the female body. A recent study concluded that the walls of the vagina are filled with numerous blood vessels and lymphatic vessels, which directly transfer chemicals into the circulatory system. Like, take that in for a minute. Seriously. Like, it gives me chills, and it's also really empowering to know that. So, things that I wish I knew sooner were all of the information about chemicals and tampons and menstrual products, how the reproductive system actually works from, like, a granular, nitty-gritty, step-by-step process, And I learned a lot of that through the book called Woman, which is an intimate geography of the woman's body. Um, The subtitle says, The Classic Book on How Biology Affects Who We Are. So this is another one of my like top recommended books. I'll link everything in the show notes, but the book Woman really helped me understand how my entire body works better and shocked me in a lot of ways that I didn't know a lot of this stuff. Like... I'm a woman. I've been a woman for almost 30 years. Why why didn't I know a few of these things? Like, it blows my mind. One amazing fact that I didn't know and I wish I'd known sooner that I learned from the book Woman is the fact that I was an egg in my mom when my mom was conceived, almost. So I didn't know that at 20 weeks in which you are gestating inside of your mom, We have all of the eggs we'll ever have at 20 weeks. So that means when my mom was 20 weeks old inside of my grandma, my egg existed. (laughs) I can't get over this fact. It blows my mind every time I think about it. And I think about it several times a week, honestly. Like I lived, quote unquote, I lived my mother's life with her and That's the whole mother-daughter connection and why the mother-daughter relationship is unlike any other, which I will do an entire podcast about because I'm also really, really passionate about the mother-daughter connection. But this just blows my mind. How did I not know this? (laughs) Like, if you're hearing this for the first time, like, hit pause, let it sink in. I think it's a wild, wild thing. And if you knew this, well, you're lucky. I didn't know it, but... (laughs) Um, other things I wish I knew sooner was the waste accumulation of menstrual products. It didn't ever occur to me, and prior to like a year and a half ago, a lot of waste knowledge didn't occur to me, right? Like, 
You don't just throw something away and it disappears. It goes somewhere. So there are a lot of pads and tampons in the landfills everywhere. And that's one of the other reasons why I switched to the menstrual cup. Because something inside of me didn't feel right about throwing more stuff away that didn't biodegrade. So um, the last thing that I wish I would have known sooner is the natural remedies and the diet factors for our periods. So I didn't know that it was possible not to take Motrin or ibuprofen every month and that by changing the way you eat, you can like greatly improve your period. It's, it's profound, really. Like it's so simple and it's the best way to feel better in every case, most likely, usually. But I wish I would have known more about natural remedies and what food does to our bodies throughout the month. So with that, we have four different cycles within our monthly cycle. And during our periods, our hormone levels decline. And really, that's just a reason to turn inward and analyze. And we often have low energy and low iron and low zinc. So it's nice to supplement those during your period. But specific biological things are happening within our bodies in each phase of our period. Like, newsflash, we're not crazy hormonal beast. We are hormonal to the extent of our hormones are fluctuating. But honestly, like, I'm, I'm over the fact that people are saying, like, oh, she's on her period, or oh, you must be on your period. Like, yeah, it's a real thing, and... I'm excited to see more women step into their cycles and embody what that means for them instead of using it as an excuse or a crutch to be a bitch. So I'd rather let our cycles empower us versus be this negative thing that people are afraid to talk to us whenever we're menstruating. Also, I think a plane just flew overhead, so I don't know if you all could hear that or not. I apologize. Um, I'm actually sitting downstairs in my living room today. And I'm usually up in my bedroom because it's like nice and closed off and I think the audio sounds nice up there, but I'm sitting down in my living room on the floor. We have this beautiful low sitting table in front of the fireplace and it's a chilly fall day in Seattle. So I'm just bundled up in socks and a flannel and yeah, that's kind of where I am right now. So if you hear other sounds, it's probably because there are more big windows down here and sound kind of comes in easier than upstairs. So with the way that our hormones fluctuate during our period, I think it's also important to bring up the fact that if you are on birth control, depending on which birth control you're on, you are actually not having a period and you are not ovulating. Just for a broad fact, ovulation is essential to your overall health. So birth control does affect your period giving you like a false period and it affects all of your hormones. You're adding synthetic hormones to your body, not actual hormones. Um, I actually read an interesting fact recently that said bioidentical birth control doesn't exist because it's too expensive and nobody will like invest in it. So instead we take synthetic hormones, which isn't, it isn't helpful for our overall health. Um, so it's really interesting. I'm not going to get into all of that, but I do recommend you get, I do recommend you dive into researching the effects of birth control and what, what it has on your body and what could be happening. Um, coming off of birth control just might be a really good solution for you. 
So all of the books that I'm, I've mentioned and I'm going to be mentioning talks about all of that. So if you just want to dive into a few of these books or resources, that's also helpful. But do know that if you are on birth control, you're not actually having a period and you're not ovulating. So if you have a regular natural period on average, you'll lose about three ounces of blood per month. Well, not all blood, um, uterine lining, discharge, what you see as blood when you go to the bathroom. So that's a good benchmark is three ounces or less. And if it's too low, definitely talk to your doctor. If it's too high, talk to your doctor. But the books that I'm sharing are also really helpful. And the way that you can know how many ounces you're losing is through using a menstrual cup because it's an actual silicone cup and it has like a little mark on it. So for me, I like every time I take it out, I write down how much is in there and then I add up how much blood I've lost. So it's really empowering for me to know the, the weight of my flow, <laughs> the ounces from my flow, I guess I should say, and what that means for my health or my stress levels or what's going on in my life. So menstrual cups are a really cool way to get really in touch with your period. And also, the internet is so cool. Like, you can search period on anything and find trillions of resources, good and bad, so make sure they're vetted. I would lean more toward reading research articles and reading from doctors versus just Cosmo or Bustle or whatever the hell else exists out there. Um, check your resources before like taking in the information, but you can do so much research on your own about periods and it's all at your fingertips, which I think is amazing. Okay, let's talk about periods around the world, the industry, the impact that it's having on all menstruators, not just our view of our periods. So like I mentioned in the beginning, there is a tampon tax, or what some people call the pink tax, in 35 states in the U.S., which I, I never realized, which I have the privilege and the access in which I never realized that tampons are taxed in, for instance, Viagra is not. So I'll share some interesting facts with you here, but basically tampon has a luxury tax, tampons have a luxury tax on them, and Viagra is tax exempt and is considered a medical necessity. <laughs> Effing hilarious, really. Um, so the menstrual product menstrual industry is a $3 billion industry in the U.S. alone. Most women will use 12 to 14,000 tampons and pads in their lifetime. So times that by whatever you want to do the math, like, it's insane. That <laughs> is so crazy. Um, and because of the pink tax, the luxury tax on menstrual products, the average woman pays an extra $1,300 every year on menstrual products. That's a lot of money for a lot of people. Um, I'm, like I said, lucky enough where I never noticed this tax, but it exists. And you're being overtaxed for a basic necessity that you shouldn't be taxed on, in my opinion. There's a funny line of saying, what if you had to pay for toilet paper every time you went to the bathroom? 
Like that's what it feels like to be on your period and not have access to menstrual products. Having to pay for them or like find them or use toilet paper or whatever else is available. Like it's, yeah, it's really interesting. So another interesting fact that leads into the chemicals in tampons is that the FDA has categorized menstrual products as medical devices, which from a regulation perspective means that menstrual products are regulated less than cosmetics. So the cosmetics industry already has a trillion issues all on its own. They are regulating the menstrual products that we use less than they are regulating cosmetics, which goes into one of the most absorbent parts of our bodies. So that's how all of those chemicals have been able to fly for so long, I guess, is because that it, the menstrual products aren't regulated as much, or it's a really low priority threshold. I don't know the right terminology, but the FDA allows for companies to reduce ship products for us to use, which is insane. Um, another interesting thing that I think is really funny, and it's just a fact, is that men, most men, are fertile 365 days of the year. Women are only fertile six days out of a month. And yet we have the entire pressure and weight of making sure birth control exists and making sure people have access to birth control. Um, yeah, we're only fertile six days out of a month. So that's interesting, which can get into that later. But um, I want to read a little thing from you from a book that I read. In the book, period, 12 voices on the bloody truth, or 12 voices tell the bloody truth, whichever way. Um, Elizabeth Yuko is one of the writers, and she talks about the period paradox and periods in culture. So she wrote, if you think society's view of periods sounds like a no-win situation, you're right. On the one hand, we're expected to suck it up, just handle the pain and discomfort and keep to ourselves. After all, we know people think menstruation is gross and just part of being a woman, so no one wants to hear about it. On the other hand, there's also the perception that periods are so debilitating for women, mentally, physically, and emotionally, that we couldn't possibly hold positions of power or make high-level decisions as, say, an airplane pilot or a politician. In other words, periods are simultaneously supposed to be incapacitating, that they're used to exclude us, and something so routine and insignificant that we're expected to just deal with it. That is what I call the period paradox, and yes, the idea is reinforced by pop culture. This book that I read this from called Period, I'll link to, of course, is a really, really cool book of 12 different women and men who all menstruate and who all have had their, their stories told through this book. Um, her section in particular is about culture and talks a lot about different TV shows and movies that have talked about periods and what that has done for us as a culture. So it's a really cool book. I like that blurb because it's so true. Like, we're not allowed to make allowed, haha, we're not quote-unquote allowed to make like high-level decisions, but we're also supposed to not talk about our periods and just be under the radar. Like, what a paradox. So interesting. Um, yeah. So 
moving into your period, period empowerment, what you can do to become more informed and help other people. There's a lot of different resources out there and I'll cover the ones that I have vetted and then a few others that I've heard of that I haven't quite looked into as much, but there are a lot of different things out here that can help you. So Laura Bryden said, which is the woman who wrote Period Repair Manual, a quote from her book says, your woman body is strong and vital and wise and with the right support, it knows exactly how to be healthy and have periods. So yeah, like her book helped me do that, but it's true. Your period and your health is trying to tell you something Regardless of what that is, it, your body is constantly communicating with you. You are your body. You're not separate from your body and your body's not at war with you necessarily, unless it's really trying to tell you something. But we're not separate from our bodies and we don't just have this period issue. It's a part of us and it is us. So listen to your body and the signs and the clues that you're hearing and get curious. With that, takes a lot of research. Like I said, the period repair manual is an amazing book. Um, there are apps out there, so you don't have to use a health tracking journal like I do. I like journals and writing. It helps me make it more personal. I have found that all of the apps that I've tried aren't personal enough for me, and I don't use them consistently. But my journal is one thing that I've stayed really consistent with for over a year now. So there's a really cool app called Natural Cycles, and it comes with a thermometer, and it helps you basically understand when you're ovulating, when your cycle is changing, and ovulation can be tied to your temperature, so you can look more into that. But Natural Cycles is a beautiful app that I used for a while and helped me understand like when I was ovulating and what I was feeling. So that helped for a little bit. I don't really use it anymore. Um, there are a lot of different natural approaches to periods. You can find those in the Period Repair Manual, and other places, period.org, which is the menstrual movement that I've talked about a lot here, um, who have made today, October 19th, National Period Day. They have a ton of amazing resources. You can follow them on Instagram, check out their website. Um, the book Woman that I mentioned is amazing. There's a book called Pussy that is another one of my favorite books. I'm obsessed with this book. It's basically a reclamation to yourself as a woman. It's beautiful. There are some beautiful like diagrams and drawings in here too that can help you learn more about your body. Um, but yeah, so Pussy is an amazing book. The book Period that has the 12 stories in it is really great and nice perspective. Um, Dr. Aviva Ram is another one of my favorite doctors that exist. Um, She's like the natural MD. She's originally like an herbalist and a midwife. So she has a lot of experience with women. Her podcast has a lot of amazing episodes on it. Um, and she's just really knowledgeable. So you can check out her website too. Um, there's Flow Living or like Flow, which is a really cool app that has helped a lot of people. It seems to be the most intricate app that I have found that helps you understand every phase of your cycle and what you can be eating or doing to like tap into that and sync up with it versus feeling crazy <laughs> or out of control or like super emotional. It helps you get more in tune with what's happening from like a biological and 
hormonal perspective. Um, another thing that I really love is period panties. So I buy Thinks, and I think their website is She Thinks, maybe? But they're period panties. They're beautiful, luxurious, they last forever, and it's basically like an alternative to wearing a pad or a panty liner. So I wear my menstrual cup and then my period panties, and they make me feel like they're super sexy panties. Like, they're gorgeous. They're very high quality, and they work. So I love them. I'll link them below. Um, and then another really great orga organization is V-Day, which is a huge organization working toward ending violence against women. So a ton of resources out there to kind of dive into your period, periods in the world, women's health, women's issues, and how it affects all of us. I mentioned a survey done earlier that was done by Period and a few other people. I think the initiative was called United for Access. And Period, Thinks, and maybe someone else partnered together to like make this possible. But it is the first state of the period research initiative. And the survey is from Harris Poll of 1,000 U.S. teens who menstruate from 13 to 19. So I'm going to share a few facts with you from that survey because I think it's really interesting being that I'm an adult now and I don't know how old you are, but you're likely not 13 to 19 anymore. Maybe you're like coming out of that phase. And this is what the current generation of girls starting their periods and going through puberty are going through. So I think it's nice to remember them just because we've been going through this for a while doesn't mean that girls aren't still entering this new phase of life and feeling really confused or unsupported and there are ways for us to help them. So more than four in five students, 84% in the U.S. have either missed class or know someone who missed class time because they did not have access to period products. The majority of teens surveyed reported feelings of shame, self-consciousness, and or embarrassment about their periods. The following statistics reflect the negative sentiments that follow teens throughout their lives on what is typically a monthly basis, and a foundation for increased emotional anxiety with numerous potential effects. So I'm sure you've also felt many of these things, self-consciousness, fear of like leaking all over the place, embarrassment, feelings of shame, feelings of panic when you forget to bring a tampon or a pad with you. This is a overall thing that happens to, I would like to say every girl, but you know, every girl. Um, yeah, so here are some of the stats. 64% believe society teaches people to be ashamed of their periods. 66% do not want to be at school when they are on their period. 80% feel there is a negative association with periods, that they are gross and unsanitary. 71% feel self-conscious on their period. 79% feel embarrassed when they have to bring period products to the bathroom. 57% have felt personally affected by the negative association surrounding periods. The majority, 51% of students, feel like their school does not care about them if they do not pro provide free period products in their bathrooms. So that also goes into like the lack of education category. 
79% feel that they need more in-depth education around menstrual health. Basically 80%, most girls feel like they do not have in-depth education about menstrual health. And I totally feel that. It was that way when I was in fourth grade. I didn't get any in-depth education or info. I got a front and back brochure that kind of told me that something was going to be happening to me. So girls are still feeling that today in an age where I feel that should not be the case. Um, let's see. 76% think we are taught more about the biology of frogs than the biology of a human female body in school. Hello, I agree. I've had to read all of these books in my late 20s in order to learn more about the female body and everything that's going on biologically. So I, I think it's a shame that it took me so long to find these resources, and I'm really hoping that that can end or get to a younger age where girls and women can become more empowered and more knowledgeable about their own bodies. Um, and then the last fact is, or stat, I should say, 51% have missed at least part of a class or class period due to menstruation symptoms such as cramps. So like I shared in the beginning, there are natural remedies and natural solutions for cramps. Like you don't just have to have cramps all the time and feel like you can't move. Yes, cramps happen and depends on your period and your health and all of this stuff. But from my experience, I was able to lessen my cramps or make them a little more bearable, honestly, in order to do more in my day and feel more capable. So there are natural remedies and solutions out there to help. Okay, so we covered a lot here. There's a lot to talk about regarding periods and period stigma and tag taboo and all of the different ways of seeing our periods. I hope this was helpful and I hope it inspires you to dig deeper and learn more about your body and all of the women around you and what they might be going through and how we can connect versus feeling ashamed or isolated. I will be doing a few future episodes on like the cyclic nature of being a woman, which kind of ties into the four different phases of our menstrual cycle, moon cycles, sun, the whole bit. Um, there's some really cool correlations with all of the cycles of life and our personal cycle. I will also be doing an episode about natural wellness specifically for women, which I think is very important and is mainly my focus. And then I will most likely be doing like a female anatomy 101 episode as well, because I think it's nice to be constantly reminded about our female anatomy and how we can connect more deeply and appreciate our bodies and all that they are capable of. So I will leave you with, what is your relationship like to your period? And what types of products do you use? What is a good next step for you to take in order to become more informed, more empowered, or more in tune with yourself? As always, you can find the show notes for this episode over at HaleyHeishman.com backslash podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it, review it, subscribe, share with a friend who might also like it, 
and let me know your thoughts. You can email me, direct message me, whatever the case may be. I'm here for you. I'm ready to talk about this stuff. I love it. I hope this is inspiring for you or at least informative. And yeah, I will see you next week.